This podcast is brought to you by the Village of Bedford Park, your home for business. Over 450 businesses strong and growing with a safe, reliable Lake Michigan water supply. Visit VOBPBiz.com and bring your business home to the Village of Bedford Park. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Now, the WBBM Noon Business Hour. It's 12.03. Brand new week. Monday afternoon, October 24th. Good afternoon. Thanks for joining us on the Noon Business Hour. Presented by the Village of Bedford Park. I'm Rob Hart. An important part of raising kids is teaching them about money. We'll cover that in our next segment. But right now, a global monetary policy, a major topic, while the week ahead will include key data on the U.S. economy. Let's get a preview now from Paul Christopher, head of Global Market Strategy at the Wells Fargo Investment Institute in St. Louis. Paul, thanks for joining us once again today. What are some of the big uh, market movers uh, that that investors are keeping an eye on uh, this week as far as uh, uh, data sets and money is, or, or, or reports are concerned? Well, Rob, uh, thank you. Uh, good afternoon. Good to be back with you again. Uh, the, uh, the markets will be watching very carefully anything that has to do with inflation or economic growth. Uh, this week, uh, we'll also have something on the consumer uh, and con- consumer confidence expected out tomorrow. Uh, that has been slipping. We can expect that to continue to slip. Retail and wholesale inventories out also later on Wednesday, a less important uh, indicator, but uh, but also will be watched this week for signs that retail inventories are getting very, very large. In fact, there are lots of anecdotal reports that you're going to get some pretty big discounts at the big box stores. Uh, this coming holiday season. So evidence that consumers are slipping in their confidence, evidence that the retail sector is is slipping in its ability to manage profits and keep inventories at the reasonable levels. Uh, these will all be indicators that markets will be watching for signs of future earnings. And then uh, we do get uh, a report on uh, GDP uh, later this week. Uh, we have had two quarters of negative GDP growth, contraction. Uh, it does look like uh, Q3 is trending towards uh, some growth, but there is some ca- caveats there. Yes, there are. Uh, I mean, the main caveat for the markets is the GDP, This and this will be our first look at third quarter, uh, economic growth, it's a trailing indicator. It's, it's what was happening in the economy three months ago. Markets have already got that priced in. Uh, they'll be The markets will be more interested in current trends like consumer confidence that I mentioned uh, a minute ago. Uh, uh, another par- problem with the GDP is that when you're on your way down, you're trending lower. Uh, the indicators are probably not as, uh, not as fresh uh, as you would like them to be, uh, and uh, the markets will be paying more attention to future trends might be happening in uh, across the markets and across the economy. And then when, uh, we talked a little bit at uh, 1020 about uh, the new prime minister in Great Britain, Rishi Sunak, uh, in, in, uh, elected by his uh, conservative party to be their uh, new leader and in turn the next uh, prime minister. But the other big development over the weekend was the uh, Communist Party uh, get-together in China in which uh, President Xi Jinping uh, did get that unprecedented third term as the leader of that country. 
country. Um, what challenges will he face economically, even as he consolidates his power? Yeah, the two challenges that went largely unremarked at this meeting, it's, uh, it's supposed to be a big confab to choose personnel and big picture direction. Uh, but the economy is one that will have to get some increasing attention. We look for that to come in December with their working group on the economy. Two issues in particular. Uh, one is the zero COVID policy in China, which is really keeping people at home, uh, putting a big dent in property sales, also putting a big dent in services across that country. Uh, and then the second is related, and that's the, the weakness in the property sector where a lot of developers have accumulated a lot of debt over the years to keep building new apartment buildings. Uh, and now with people staying home and unable to really get out, what will happen to those companies? Will their debt turn into some sort of dominoes uh, across the Chinese economy? We'll have to see how the Chinese manage that going forward. So uh, a lot of very tempestuous times, especially in the international markets. Paul Christopher, head of global market strategy with the Wells Fargo Investment Institute based in St. Louis. Thanks for joining us this afternoon. Coming up, teaching teens how to handle money. Your daily transaction for useful information. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. As kids grow into their teens, money becomes more of an important aspect of their lives. It's also the best time to teach them how to handle it. Let's get some help from Tony Orgorek, founder of Orgorek Wealth Management based in New York. Tony, thanks for joining us today. 13, 14 years old, you get that first uh, job. Maybe you're working at a fast food restaurant. Maybe you're a caddy at a golf course and you're now you're bringing home hundreds of dollars a week. And then from the perspective of a 13 or a 14 year old, you really got it made. What can you do uh, as an eighth grader or a freshman in high school to make sure that money lasts? Well, I think it's important for parents to um, set some boundaries, some criteria. And I think the first thing uh, parents should do is to say, look, um, whatever you make, um, you've got to save, I don't know, 10 or 15 percent uh, in an account. And what they can do is open. Uh, it doesn't necessarily have to be at a bank account. There's a lot of online things. And, uh, and then the parents have to check on it just to see that they put some money away there. Uh, also, I think it's not a bad idea, you know, to be able to say, you know, it's wonderful that you've got your health and you're able to do these things, et cetera, but there are a lot of people who don't. So maybe there's another 10% that you can just put away and decide to donate to whatever charitable organization you like to do to help people. And then, so what you've done is you've put money away for yourself. You've also, because you're going to want to buy stuff in the future, and you put uh, some money away uh, to help others who are less fortunate. Uh, the rest you can spend, and I think that's uh, not, not necessarily a bad way to go. What advice do you have for uh, the parent of a uh, teenager who uh, is does have you know income from a job for the very first time when it comes to the stock market and investing? You know, the advice is it's never too early to begin investing, and that's that's a great idea. But at the same time, if you are learning about money and investing from social media, a lot of the rhetoric and a lot of the presentation about how people uh, invest in stocks and find winners and avoid losers tends to sound the same indistinct from a commercial uh, advertising sports betting. So how do you make sure that uh, if someone does begin investing at a young age, they're doing it the right way? Well, first off, I think that people need to investigate before they invest. Uh, 
generally speaking, you know, kids don't know much about our financial system or how markets operate. So my advice would be uh, that they invest in an index fund such as the, you know, S&P 500 or, you know, if they're buying a um, an ETF, it would be uh, the SPY, SPY. And I would just have them put money away on a monthly basis. Now, maybe it's 50 bucks a month, maybe it's 100 bucks a month, whatever it is. But they're able to do that in a brokerage account and just watch it grow. They're going to be able to see the ups and downs in the markets and get a sense of how this works. Bottom line is, I think a lot of kids are being sold a bill of goods, uh, you know, because they seem to think an investment account is interchangeable with, uh, you know, Caesars or, or DraftKings. It's not speculation. It tends to be a long-term play that when you look at it over a series of years or decades, that's where the payoff's going to be. And I think if they can just put money away regularly, it forms a really great habit. Uh, and they're going to be doing great in life if they can just master that one small step from the beginning. Tony Orgoric, founder of Orgoric Wealth Management based in Buffalo. Thanks for joining us this afternoon. Coming up next, members of Generation Z reveal their favorite restaurant. Investing 60 minutes each weekday for planning for the future. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. A new survey tracks the favorite restaurants of people in their teens and 20s. Let's check out the results with R.J. Hadevi, head of analytical research at the foot traffic analysis firm Placer AI based in Chicago. R.J., thanks for joining us today. The uh, Some interesting names at the top of uh, the list of restaurants that uh, captured the heart minds and stomachs of Generation Z. Yeah, thanks, Rob. Uh, so it's the semi-annual Piper uh, Sandler Teen Survey. And uh, for this particular uh, survey, they found that the top uh, fast food brand or restaurant brand for teens is actually Chick-fil-A, uh, followed by Starbucks and then uh, Chipotle. And uh, our data backs it up. Uh, we look at uh, trade areas for a lot of restaurants uh, on a consolidated basis. And uh, those three brands do over-index to teens and, and young adults as well. So uh, and to your point, surprising uh, in the fact that if you think about 10 years ago, uh, I'd say there was a lot more fast food or what we consider to be fast food brands like a Taco Bell and McDonald's uh, at the top of the list. So it's a movement at the leader, top of the leaderboard here. Is there is there any particular reason why uh, Chick-fil-A and Chipotle have kind of vaulted into the top spots? Anything about their uh, particular business strategy or growth strategy that made this possible? Yeah, I, I think when, when we've looked at those names in the past, the, the idea that they come across as more authentic – uh, to teens and young adults, they come across as being, uh, you know, close to the product, you know, less, uh, you know, additives, preservatives, things like that. Uh, they come across as authentic in the, in the perceptions and in, in those brands. That's the uh, perception that they, they show with, with this, these audiences. And so I think that's kind of the key message here is that authenticity is oftentimes the, uh, you know, what, what carries a brand in this day and age. So I think that's kind of the, but on top of it too, I think these brands do a good job in terms of uh, the digital ordering platforms and make it very convenient to get your food. And I think that obviously, uh, you know, for, for a teen audience and, you know, one that you know, obviously has mobile devices, uh, I think that can be a determining factor as well. Um, and generally speaking, too, if you look at price for these or, or, you know, not necessarily just 
price, but you know, if already, am I getting a good value out of this too? Typically, these brands do score high. Now, obviously, we've seen a lot of inflation and price increases in the restaurant space this year as well, which may be skewing that a bit. Uh, but typically, these do uh, you know do very, these brands do very well in kind of the bang for your buck uh, type perception studies that are out there. Chick Fil A is interesting because uh, 20 years ago it was very much a regional brand. They were known for their uh, peculiar billboards that you would see in uh, baseball games or, or college football games that are being played in the South. It's eventually moved north, but the rest of the fast food industry always had their eye on Chick-fil-A because I, I would recall, like for, for McDonald's, for example, would have fried chicken sandwiches and fried chicken biscuits that were introduced in the Chicago area more or less as a play to keep Chick-fil-A at bay for a little while longer. Yeah, exactly right. And, um, you know, I, I think that only held off uh, Chick-fil-A for so long. If we uh, done some work on how, uh, you know, visits per location is a, a good indicator for how healthy a brand is. And uh, Chick-fil-A is almost always at the top. You've got brands like In-N-Out Burger and Raising Cane's, which is uh, fairly new to the Chicago market. It's done a very good job as well. Those brands do very well in terms of visits per location, which uh, not only shows you an indication of demand for those products, but also gives you an indication for how quickly they can move people through the lines. But um, yeah, I think they've been exceptional ex- uh, on execution, Chick-fil-A. I think they've done a, a great job on that front. Uh, ultimately, I think that's what keeps com- people coming back. If you have a great experience, uh, able to move through the line quickly and the product's good, um, you know, that really helps your chances of being one of the brands at the top of, li- of this list and seeing uh, positive visitation trends. R.J. Hadavi, head of analytical research at the foot traffic analysis firm Placer AI based in Chicago. Thanks for joining us this afternoon. Still ahead, examining the relationship between the midterm elections and the markets. Be worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They back eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. FBI is now investigating the shooting at Central Visual and Performing Arts High School in St. Louis, where police confirm two people were killed, including a woman and a teenage girl. St. Louis Police Commissioner Michael Sack. We had eight individuals from the school who were transported to local hospitals. One adult female has been pronounced at a local hospital. I believe that was from gunfire. We have one teen- Teenage female remaining here at the scene. She's also been pronounced. The shooter is also dead following a standoff with police. Investigators say he broke into the school early this morning, but haven't given many details or emotive. And as he mentioned, at least eight others have been hospitalized after getting shot or hit by shrap- shrapnel. The school itself has been evacuated and parents are picking up kids off site. Again, at least two people are dead following a school shooting in St. Louis this morning. Police say the shooter is also dead. CBS News Special Report. I'm Monica Ricks. It's 1232 as the noon business hour continues, presented by the Village of Bedford Park. The markets are higher. We're joined by Jim Awad, Senior Managing Director, Clearstead Advisors, based in New York. Jim, thanks for joining us today. The rally on Wall Street continues. Are investors still betting on the notion that the Fed will start ramping down? It's uh, the, the pace and height of interest rate hikes coming up. Yeah, that's precisely it. This rally started on Friday morning when you had the leaked uh, uh, Wall Street Journal report 
that the Fed was going to begin having a discussion of maybe moderating their interest rate increases so far. Uh, and, and, of course, it's positive to have them start to think about that, but there's a long way between their starting to think about it and implementing it. And also, don't forget that uh, we're only eight months into this federal uh, uh, reserve interest rate cycle, and its effect on the economy, inflation, and profits occurs incrementally and with a lag. So it's too soon to know what the effect of what they've done so far is going to be on the economy, profits, uh, and inflation. So I'm sure they'll have the discussion. Uh, they'll let us know what they're thinking in November. They'll let us know what they're thinking again in December. Uh, but between now and then, we have to watch a variety of economic reports we're getting, uh, a series of important reports this Friday, and also you have 150 companies reporting earnings this week. So we've got to watch the economy, we've got to watch earnings, and then the Fed's in the back, important, but at this point, still in the background until we hear from them, from them in November and December. How does market performance kind of play into the Fed's decision-making? Well, uh, uh, I, the Fed would like not to be held hostage to the markets. As long as, as long as the markets are functioning in an orderly fashion, they don't want to be put into a situation of uh, uh, providing the proverbial put, as they call it. They don't want to be responsible for bailing out the market. They, they are concerned with financial stability. And if you had what happened in Britain have happened here, where you could have had a bankruptcy of a, a pension system, uh, if, uh, if you had problems like a Lehman moment here, uh, they would have to step in. But the market going down in and of itself, in fact, helps them accomplish what they want, which is to cool the economy and cool inflation. We are going to get a, the, the first uh, kind of reading on the third quarter gross domestic product. And uh, this follows two months, two straight quarters of contraction, but the now cast by the Atlanta Fed suggests that that we're on track for a a, a positive quarter. Um, What are some of the things that we should be looking for when GDP reports later this week? Right. Well, you got to look at the component of it. What you really want to look at is consumer spending and real final sales, which will give you a measure of of how the consumer, who's two-thirds of GNP, is holding up. And I suspect it'll be fine because the consumer, it seems, as of now, is still hanging in there. If you look at credit card spending, if you look at airline uh, spending, uh, the, the service side of the economy is holding up. The, 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 the good side, the durable side, uh, is showing weakening because you had an over-ordering on the part of retailers and you have a very high housing component. But I expect to see weak, durable side, still strong consumer side. And then the question becomes, as these interest rate increases take effect with a lag, to how does the consumer side hold up and what are we looking for in the first quarter of next year? I think we'll limp through the fourth quarter uh, with, with a reasonable growth rate. Jim Awad, Senior Managing Director, Clearstead Advisors, based in New York. Thanks for joining us this afternoon. Coming up next, we check in with veteran market observer Mark Hulbert for a look at the midterm elections and their potential impact on the stock market. Discussing the news affecting your money. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Midterm elections are just a few weeks away. And oh, by the way, you can listen to the returns uh, on the evening of November 8th. Uh, I'm your anchor uh, that 
night, along with our political editor, Craig Delamore, and resident uh, analyst, analyst uh, Andy Shaw, line, longtime political reporter and observer. So uh, listen to WBBM on election night as the results come in. And then the following day, you can talk about uh, how they're going to affect the markets. We welcome in Mark Hulbert, investment columnist for the Wall Street Journal, Barron's and MarketWatch.com. Mark, thanks for joining us today. There are a couple of historical patterns that uh, make themselves fairly evident um, in, in midterm electoral cycles. And one is they tend to break against the president's party, regardless of who's in office. There are a couple of uh, outliers, but they are just that outliers. And the other thing, Mark, it sounds like the markets like divided government. I think that's a fair statement. It's interesting, though, in support of what you're saying, is if you go back and look, it turns out that the markets typically rally in the wake of the midterms, uh, almost regardless of uh, whether it's a Democratic or Republican party that does well. And as you say, the usual pattern is that uh, the the party that uh, the incumbent party that holds the White House loses seats, and that supports the idea of uh, divided government. But the the good news, if you're an investor, I don't mean to be speaking politically here at all, but uh, from an investment point of view. Uh, the the odds are, at least, that the market will post a, a good rally in the wake of the midterms, regardless of how the electoral results come out. And historically, there has been a great deal of divided government in Washington. I mean, the Democrats had control of the House and Senate from the 50s up until the 1990s. But during that time, that Democratic Congress on Capitol Hill had to deal with a Republican administration in the White House. So there have been very few times since the end of World War II in which one party had a trifecta for an extended period of time. So you have a lot of time to watch that divided government theory work with respect to the markets. Well, that's right. And uh, with the pattern that I'm focusing on is, is sort of within the context of that overall pattern, which you quite rightly point out, is that if you just look at the six months following the midterms, it's probably one of the strongest periods uh, seasonally for the stock market over the last hundred years. So if you were to look at all six-month periods uh, and look at the average market return following the midterms up through along about May Day, let's say, of the third year of the presidential term, which would be this coming May of 2023, it would be one of the strongest periods. It's not a guarantee, but it is one of the strongest uh, periods uh, in market history. Typically, what do investors like about divided governments? Is this the idea that uh, big ideas can't take off and uh, potentially uh, impact business? That is the rationale, and that makes sense to me. Of course, we don't really, you know, unable to, do, to survey millions of investors and say, why collectively do you do this or that? But uh, it does stand to reason that I think corporations uh, and investors in those corporations like it when there's not a lot of uncertainty out there as to whether there's going to be a big change. Um, I think in general, what you hear from corporate managers, as long as they know the rules of the game, they can, they'll do their best to, to turn a profit regardless of what those rules are. And then what about uh, situations uh, it's been hinted at that it would happen if Republicans do gain the majority in the House of Representatives? It happened 10 years ago, brinksmanship involving the debt ceiling. The markets don't like that. So are we entering a new era in which uh, bipartisanship or uh, is, is essentially non-existent? And that uh, this this political game of blood sport uh, gets uh, economically destructive. 
Well, well, that is always the worry, though. It turns out that if you go back and look at how the stock market has actually behaved during the times in which there's the government shutdown, um, it actually didn't do all that poorly. And I think perhaps the reason for that, again, one can only speculate, but is that uh, that uh, the threats of government shutdown have become almost routine. And I think Wall Street uh, sort of uh, has a collective yawn and reaction because they I don't think they really think that the politicians will let uh, – the 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 the, uh, the bond market and the economy go down like we're seeing in the United Kingdom right now, for example. Mark Hulbert, investment columnist for the Wall Street Journal, Barrons and MarketWatch.com. Thanks for joining us again this afternoon. And once again, if you uh, if you cast your vote, you know, early voting starts uh, in many portions of Illinois today. But uh, cast your vote either now or on Election Day and then listen to those votes get counted on Election Night right here on WBBM. Uh, thank you. Join me and Andy Shaw and Craig Delamore. We'll break it all down, tell you what the results mean. Information to Make cash and save cash. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. And it's Stock Picker Monday. Helping us out this afternoon is Ken Crawford, Portfolio Manager with Argent Capital in Clayton, Missouri. Ken, thanks for joining us today. Uh, You have two recommendations, and uh, one is uh, in the management space, but uh, it does a whole lot more than that. That's right, uh, Rob. Uh, Booz Allen is one of my picks. That's a consultant that deals primarily with the government, um, and they've got uh, considerable exposure to the defense industry. So obviously, with all that's going on in Russia and Ukraine, the value of defense and cybersecurity has increased, and that makes Booz Allen's business that much easier to succeed. And then your next one uh, is in the uh, tech uh, selling space. Correct. CDW is what uh, industry people call a value-added reseller or VAR. And one of the things that we like about them is they're a little bit more immunized to perhaps an economic downturn, depending on what the Fed is going to do or not. Because as you can imagine, um, if your network goes down, that's a little bit different than buying a new PC or not. And CDW would make sure that Uh, Your network continues to operate, and you all are able to do your business. And then does this reflect a uh, a, a, the 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 prevailing thinking in times like these when interest rates are higher and everyone goes from growth to value that you're better off uh, buying stocks in businesses that do tangible things and also have a, a great deal of business with the government? You know, stuff that doesn't really ebb and flow over time. Uh, that's certainly part of our thinking. And obviously, again, with Booz Allen, you've got the uh, unfortunate backdrop of what's going on in Russia and Ukraine. So again, the value of defense has risen in the eyes of investors. But to your point, yes, a little less economically sensitive, a little more stable businesses as the Fed continues to raise rates uh, adds to appeal in our mind. And then uh, very quickly and lastly, uh, what do you make of this uh, rally over the last couple of days? I mean, the uh, the market really had a, a gave back a lot of its gains from over the summer not too long ago, but now it's been on the upswing for a couple of days. Right. We've had a few gr- uh, strong green days. I think part of it is the early reporters in third quarter, particularly banks, where you've seen net interest margins or the money that they make on loans grow and credit quality 
continues to be strong. So I think you've had a little bit of a depressed market coming into earnings, and you've had reasonably good earnings, especially from the banks at the beginning of earnings season. Ken Crawford, Portfolio Manager with Argent Capital in Clayton, Missouri. Thanks for joining us this afternoon. Your stocks for this Stock Picker Monday, Booz Allen Hamilton Holding Corporation, that's B-A-H, and CDW Corporation, the ticker symbol CDW. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Baseball is back. And so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.